going on down there. I will fully organically uh, enter us into the actual beginning of this podcast, which is happening right now, this fully organic transition into the recording proper. The bit that the listeners will hear is what's going on. Hello, welcome to WTF and TFW's WTF at TCG, which is getting easier to say every single time we do it. Uh, I'm joined by Aaron once again. Hey. Uh, and uh, we are joined once again uh, by Drew and John over at Wizards of the Coast. Hello. Hey, everyone. Good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back. Uh, we're doing a, a, a thing that was kind of posited during the last time we recorded, and it, it was and it sort of just turned into a thing. Uh, we went onto TFW and we made a thread that said, "Ask us questions to ask uh, the Wizards folks," and then we kind of pulled out of there the questions that we felt were uh, the most likely to actually be able to be answered, um, and made a little list. We have a few leftovers that we might dive into as well. Uh, obviously. Some of the stuff that we're leaving out are things like, is my favorite character going to be in an upcoming wave, as that's a direct enough spoiler that we're pretty sure it's not answerable. Correct. Yeah, and and if that question's going to be asked, it's going to be me saying, uh, just double-checking, like, you guys got my letters about Omega Spream, uh, surely, and uh, I just want to make sure that those are all showing up. I will also uh, say are, there are... was somebody along the way that asked, hey, is there ever going to be a car truck? And then not 12 <laughs> hours later, a card got revealed that was a car truck. So, yeah, we don't we don't want to make people feel too empowered. <laughs> so mm. we'll continue to answer any and all questions like that by saying Road Caesar is a hard pass. Oh, damn. Well, you know, I can live without Road Caesar because I, I, that, that doesn't mean Omega Supreme is off the table. Uh, and that, but you that can't see if I'm crossing my fingers or not. Oh. And it still gives you Road Kaiser as an as an out there. Well, I, I mean, I thought that we confirmed softly, you know, Road Kaiser uh, in that last recording. I mean, a lot of people didn't seem to understand that, but uh, nonetheless, that's not one of the questions on this list. I thought we'd said Kaiser Roll. Well, kind of Kaiser Roll is not in generations. I don't think that was a uh, that was a that was a Table Wars character, if I recall correctly. Uh, pretty oh, yeah. tasty one too. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna start uh, poking into these things and. Uh, where we can, we'll also throw out credit to who asked the question, because that's just how we roll. And we got, we got one here from uh, from that guy uh, to open things up, which is, uh, would you guys uh, and or Hasbro be able to do any sorts of from the designer desk videos on the TCG game, showing off the game in its prototype forms or talking through the testing that resulted in certain decisions being made? Uh, that guy would love to see if they could share any early versions of the game that looked different from this one and would be super curious as to where it started or how it got to the final product. So let's do a two-part answer here. Uh, John, what do you think about doing Designer Diary videos? Uh, I'm a big fan. We're talking about doing more video content, um, and especially things that involve the team, just because the, the responses to the articles that they've written about you know, designing certain aspects of the game and specific cards have been received really well and have highlighted a lot of the things that um, we want people to, to pay attention to about the game. Um, I think we would probably get into murkier water when it comes to specifically showing older incarnations or, or prototypes or anything like that. Um, but I could, I could perhaps foresee, you know, video versions of the, the, uh, articles that have been written. Yeah. All right. Cool. Here, 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 let me expound on that with that second half. 
I, so from a game design process point of view, a lot of prototype designs that don't make it into final are still valuable work for us, right? Like mm-hmm. they are great ideas that go into the idea folder. And some of that stuff gets repurposed for game mechanics in the final right. version, for example. So there's a lot of stuff in there that I think um, is valuable enough for future design that I don't think we want to reveal it. Oh. But I, I was going to say, what about, uh, I know at one point in time in one of the earliest uh, previews of things, there was like a different card frame design that was shown off. What about something like that? Um. Yeah, let's, let's, we'll see about that. Um, that early card frame design was part of our proof of concepting mm-hmm. of the, the product. It's not like that. That was a secret version of the product that didn't happen. Right. It was, you know, we have to put something together to pitch this up to management and executives and to the folks over at Hasbro. And that's that's what that was that you saw. Hmm. Okay. Uh, cause yeah, the one 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 thing for my own purposes is like as as much as Aaron and I know about um, what kind of can and can't be shown in toy development, uh, for me at least, uh, what can and can't be shown for um, gaming development is still kind of uh, gray zone for me. So I was also really curious about like how much could be actually seen of a prototype version. It makes sense what you're saying that like uh, this stuff could end up being um, framework for future mechanics or even maybe other games like. You know, uh, hardware-wise, you guys had mentioned before we saw them that there were all these card technologies, you know, one of which is clearly um, metabolized into what you could call the combiner cards with the folding mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that sounds great. I'd love to see some video stuff. I, I'm I'm big on humanizing the folks who work on games. Uh, Me too. You know, granted, we've talked to you enough times that we're pretty sure you guys are human. So uh, we believe <laughs> I am, you. I am totally not a robot. It's working. Man, have you ever, Aaron? Have you ever thought about how much he's not a robot? Like, I don't know why I'm thinking of this right now, but it's it's true. Yeah, uh, it's it's odd. I mean, I've seen both of them before. I mean, this conversation <laughs> is literally the Turing test. <laughs> it's like ex machina, but with less <laughs> dancing. <Yeah. laughs> if we can convince you that we are totally not robots, then we can move into production on Drew. 1.0. So you could barely see the seam where the faceplate goes on. It was amazing. Yeah, until you mentioned it, Aaron. Thanks. <laughs> it's that new folding faceplate technology. <laughs> um, well, bouncing to, to one one more uh, that guy question. Um, were there any character cards that were planned for Wave 1 that got pushed to Wave 2? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, wave. So, And this is pretty common in trading card game design. Uh, that there are design, we, we design way more that can go into any given set. So the answer to this is always true. Uh, some things have to get cut. And the way this works is we come up with lots and lots of ideas and mechanics, and they basically sit in one giant design file, and we just play test the hell out of it. And then that gets winnowed down. The, the, the obviously not workable ideas get discarded first, but then you, you frequently end up with more content then can fit into a set, and there's a variety of like what what is too much and what is not a lot, not too much. But uh, 
Wave 1 in particular, and I think I talked about this on a previous discussion with you guys, we wanted to establish what the box is mm-hmm. in terms of design and how that box was bigger than just the core mechanics and stuff. I think we talked about Cosmos as the example of that. There were, there were a bunch more of those cards, um, and very specifically, designs that involved Punisher mechanics. And we call Punisher mechanics uh, things like Acid Storm's uh, specific... I hate this one thing. Right. Uh, a, a lot of that stuff got pushed into Wave 2 and future products. Okay. Yeah, so, like, stuff in Wave 1 that didn't make it into Wave 1 sounds like it would have been the stuff that would have made Wave 1 a bit more complicated up front. That, that's specifically true with Wave 1. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, well, then I, I just got one more here from that guy, who we got to give some credit to. That guy submitted a lot of questions, and a lot of them were also pretty solid. Uh, I think only 15 of them were about characters. I am joking. Uh, that guy is a, is a is a cool guy. That's why he's that guy. Um, well, let's give that guy a pat on the back. Thank you, that guy. Yeah. Well, let's let's finish off with uh, with one more from him, which was about combiners and the designing of them. Uh, specifically, what were your thoughts on scramble style combination? Did you get to playtest that idea, and did it behave the way you hoped it would? Uh, scramble style being the part where on a lot of combiners they can swap the limbs. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think we we briefly touched on that when we talked about com- uh, the rise of the combiners. But yeah, we did. We we very briefly touched on it. So Scramble City combiners are really interesting, and a lot of the the more recent and modern designs for combiner toys allow for Scramble City configuration, and which is really cool, right? Because there's sort of this default configuration that's displayed in the bo- on the box art and the marketing, and that's kind of like the canonical version of that character. Mm-hmm. And then you, you as a as a you know a, a collector and player of toys, get to do all kinds of cool things, include, including cross faction like stuff. It's weird and awesome. Uh, from a game design point of view, that is actually much more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, let me not let, let me. We'll roll that back slightly. From a game design point of view, it's certainly feasible. From an art point of view, it is super complex. Right, um, you'd have to make sure that ev- ev- it'd be like just static pose, like a Superman pose. That's so exactly that, yeah, it. Yeah, static pose, no background. So you that know, every it, time the shoulder is at exactly the right spot, and I hope to goodness that the cut on this card isn't down a, an eighth of an inch because it'll look really bad. I also kind of personally feel like that would almost become a game in and of itself in such a way that it could take away from the game that you're supposed to be playing. Mm-hmm. John is John is touching on something that is a, a both a benefit and a negative. But for a very for the very first time, we introduce com- combiners, uh, and the combining mechanic is I think more of a negative, which is. The total number of permutations of a Scramble City combiner is basically the number of Scramble City parts times the number of Scramble City parts. Right. Mm. Uh, is that right? It's late in the day. Math. Yeah. It depends on what. It depends on whether the torso is Scramble City. Uh, but that adds to tons and tons of permutations, and then you have to, by doing that, what you end up do if, if it's really going to be representative of the IP, you have to do something like. This character's health is equal to the health of all the Scramble City parts plus the torso, right? Like, right. And so that gets into really weird UI issues. So mm-hmm. for, for the first use of combiners, we declined to use Scramble City as a mechanic, even though some of the combiners in some of the versions of the toys that have been created for them are, are actually Scramble City combiners. Yeah, every time I've, I've, I've 
talked about this with, with local folks. We all kind of go like, man, yeah, scramble combining would be so cool. And the, the way that the bottom text on the combiners comes together is like in those, in that, that unset where you could form, um, you know, cards by putting two together and stuff like that. Unstable. Uh, but then, like, it's not even just the art thing where we, like, start going, like, oh, they could just, I don't know, make a, a big card you put over top of the art so you can't see it. But then it also becomes, uh, wait a second, the the rules text is on the two leg robots. Uh, does that, then that means that we have to assume that the leg robots can only ever be a left leg and a right leg, which limits who can combine with who mechanically, even in the thing that we're seeing that that implies we could start to swap them around, it becomes messy, and then a bunch of us started to go like, "This is more complicated than perhaps we would have assumed it would be." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're you're basically going through the same logic process that we did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The this is simple to the oh wait, there's all these footnotes that start mm-hmm. showing up. Um. All right. Well, I asked a few questions. Uh, Aaron, you want to ask a couple questions? Uh, sure. Uh, have one from Nemesis Scourge asking, uh, do you intend to have new gameplay mechanics with each new addition or wave? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Like the way, the way that like plan was brought in or um, the green pip was pulled around. Yes. So I don't want to, I don't want to imply that every single set, for example, will have a new pip color or every single set will have a new keyword. Cause that's li- too limiting. Right. But every single set will have a, a new gameplay mechanic um, that introduces something interesting and new to the game. And that, that is sort of fundamental for trading card game design. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we look at this is it, each one of these new mechanics, you basically is a mirror that you hold up to all the cards that have come before it. And so we look at this into, um, this is an involved answer. There's, there's basically a, a, a quality called parasit. Parasitism. Yes. Which is how necessary is that new mechanic to play defined by its ability to play with other of its new type. Um, Mm -hmm. So for example, and so some, and so we try not to do super parasitic mechanics all the time. So there's going to be this, this balance. Some new mechanics will say, Oh, you want to play with this new group of cards and, and, in some ways, combiners are very much like that. You want the full team of combiners because they only play the combiner mechanic with each other. Mm-hmm. And some of them, like the new green pip, is very, very the opposite. It has lots of applications, and you've seen some of them that are related to combiner and the enigmas, and some of them are not. Um, uh, I, I will say that some mechanics are good that we introduce are going to become a regular part of the game, and... Uh, green pip, for example, is going to be something that you'll see again in the future hmm. af- after okay. Rise of the Combiners. And some of them I'm are going to re- be specific to an, to a single set. Right. I'm really into the word parasitic as an actual development term. That's really cool. Uh, it's <laughs> it's low-key one of my favorite words, so I'm, <laughs> I'm digging this. <laughs> well, you're cool. welcome. There you go. So uh, a kind of parallel question that doesn't come from a top part but comes from J.J. Uh, Hubbard that I had down below to, to kind of talking about with future sets as well. Um, do you think each wave of cards is also going to consist of the same, like how you had the core set and then like a starter set and a Titan set and maybe convention set in them? No, it's, it's definitely not. Okay. Um, and the, the wave of cards is going to differ by what's going on in the Transformers universe. It's going to differ uh, based on, you know, what are the needs of the brand at a time? 
as an right. example, it is unlikely that every wave will have a starter set. Mm-hmm. We don't need a constant influx of starter sets into the into the game. Um, the, there will be another starter set in the future, and I think I've mentioned that in the past, and that we are we are taking the feedback that we've seen directly and indirectly from the first starter deck to improve the second in a number of areas. Right. So that one that one's important to us. And I think um, it kind of it ties into the the first question about you know the the parasitic um, right rules and mechanics is that I know the design team as much as they like you know throwing spaghetti at the wall and coming up with crazy ideas they don't want to impose a new mechanic just because it's cool they want it to be meaningful right. so you know whether or not we had a, a a great idea for a product it has to fit it needs to be meaningful <clears throat> we don't want to do it just to be you know, just to kind of put something out there and get people to buy it. Right. You know, that's not a good enough or, reason. Or because, or because that's the rhythm that we did before, you know, Titan yeah. sets. Like, you've got maybe four or five Titans that are really known and then a bunch of other stuff from the comics that may hit or miss. So after four waves, you're done with it? Uh-oh. Right. Yeah. We have another quality that we think about, which is surprise and delight. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. If everything becomes the same all the time, there's not a lot of room for surprise and delight because there's st- we start to create buckets of expectation. It's like, what's going to fill the, the ancillary deck bucket? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going to fill this bucket and that bucket? And so, um, yeah, there's going to be some variety. It also takes away my favorite pastime of combing through the Facebook threads and Twitter threads and, and Reddit threads and just cackling at all the speculation. <laughs> I'm sure you've already noticed that a lot, like, and I'm, I'm super guilty of this, that there are already people kind of going like, all right, well, we know that there is a, there is a wave. And uh, so obviously there's going to be a related box set. That's where this one could exist. You know, this combiner could exist because it's weirder or stuff like that. Uh, I have noticed. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> I, I'm impressed. Everybody is uh, very tenacious. Less than a year into the game. We are all already trying to establish its life cycle and rhythm. Uh, <laughs> well, that's kind of the way things go these days. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the nature of speculation. It's as uh, long as everybody's having fun. Yeah. Um, well, there was there was one in here, actually, that I thought that might bounce off of that. I think I think this question came from Vorath, uh, uh, which was just it's a simple one. Um Kind of a twofer, I guess. Uh, will we be seeing more promotional materials for Rise of the Combiners at our local gaming stores? And how many sets and how many standalones are planned for 2019? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we can, so some of that we're going to have to surprise and delight you guys on a, on a, at a later point. <laughs> or shock yeah. and awe. But I think this is a really good point to, to uh, bring up the demo kit. So we have opened up to all... Uh, USWPN stores, and those are the Wizards Play Network stores. These mm-hmm. are your friendly local game stores who uh, sell our product. Uh, in those stores, can sign up through methods that they'll know about when you tell them, "Hey, there's a demo kit available." Um, uh, a free demo kit that includes two starter sets. So the purpose of this demo kit is to um, have materials on hand that we provide for free that let game stores teach people who want to learn how to play. Mm-hmm. And this will also include a, um, a how to teach guide as opposed to how to learn. Cause those are two very okay. different things. Mm-hmm. And then poster. Yep. And then a poster. Yeah. Promotional uh, uh, rise of the combiners poster. Uh, 
and that is is going to hit the the ordering window is such that that product will hit local game stores right around uh, the release of Rise of the Combiners, so that there's that those stores are equipped to teach without having to you know pay, you know spend their own money on on that product. Which I would be remiss if I did not reiterate is March first, two thousand nineteen. <laughs> Ah, company man all the way. In the United States and most territories. Footnote. I, wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm Canadian. They're I have learning. to pay attention to that stuff. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the, the other part of that question was asking, what is the, basically, what is the, the rest of the release calendar look like? And uh, that, that is a, a question we will answer at a future point. Okay. It looks nice. <laughs> if only you could see it. Oh, how nice yeah. it looks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I guess, I guess there's, there's actually another one that can bounce, uh, straight on that wave comes from nice mode Joe, uh, who asks, will Watsy try to expand on PAX Unplugged by holding more events? I assume TCG events for Transformers TCG at additional conventions. Very likely. Stay tuned. All right. You guys are going to, you guys actually want to get this game pushed out there. Yeah. You know, we've been thinking about it. We thought it might be a good idea. We also thought about just playing in the office ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, like just yeah. just make a Twitch channel. I don't know. I don't know. It's a great game in this very local location. Uh, everywhere I look, everybody's playing the game. So I don't know. Right, one hundred percent of the I people mean, in this office yeah. play the game. We yeah, just do. I mean, our adoption but, rate is crazy. Take, you guys take, take, come taking and that try it sampling, out. that statistics, man. That's one hundred percent of the people that I'm looking at right now are playing the game. That's you it. Co- we're done. Come down to the office. We'll totally lend you a deck. You can't keep it, but you can. We'll we'll lend you one. You can give it a try. You will be patted uh, down on the way out. Yeah. Um, but we, we have found, um, you know, PAX, PAX Unplugged was great. And, uh, you know, Gen Con was fantastic. The, you know, those are, it's important to us to be able to support events like that. And mm-hmm. so, yes, it is very likely that you'll see more of that in the future. All right, cool. Um, well, Aaron, I, I, I stuck my nose in again. Do you have another one you want to ask? Yeah, you want me to read the next one on the list? I know. From Dr. Chris Vangelis, MD Esquire Chan. (laughs) Oh, what a good name. Yeah. Uh, So this actually riffs off of the, the, um, one of the spoiler cards you gave us. um, And it's the rules question. Does grenade launcher stay on thrust if he taps to use his ability while adding plus four to his attack value? I believe the answer is yes, because he's not actually attacking. Right. Which makes him gross with RC. If you'd like complete confirmation from the Transformers TCG design team, please email your question to transformersquestions at wizards.com, and it'll be included in our answers roundup every Friday. I had another version of this question where I was going to lead by saying what a great system you guys have, and now if I can just take a moment to circumvent it since we have you in the room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of which, if I could just take a moment to circumvent that while I have you in the room. Uh, if I use Grimlock Powerful Commander to put another Grimlock Powerful Commander into my KO pile, and then I use I Still Function to bring Grimlock Powerful Commander Instance B onto the battlefield, what happens? Nothing. It's, it just functions. Well, we're not sure. It's either nothing or you would bore a hole in the space-time continuum, uh, which would probably swallow the Earth and, and completely destroy everything we've built. So. Don't, don't sell it up. Chris will do it. <laughs> like I'm only asking. I, this didn't cross my mind until that first round of emails. Someone asked if he could put himself into the KO pile, and you guys said yes. That, yeah, he that, absolutely can. Yeah. So let me let me let me run into why. So there's a there's an important rule in Transformers trading card game where when you're constructing your team of characters, you can't have two characters with the same name. 
right? And that's the full name of the character. So Grimlock's ability happens, in this case, after your team is set. So you can pull in that second Grimlock that way. Um, There's a really, really, really interesting thing that uh, someone has already pointed out. And it is it is it falls into the the ludicrously unlikely set of circumstances, mm-hmm. but you could theoretically get um, a predicting. No, sorry, uh, two volcanicuses. Uh, two, uh, you could you could theoretically get two volcanicuses in play. Huh. Hmm. Okay. Then I have one more I have to bounce off you, and I promise I'll leave this alone. <laughs> so I have Grimlock on the table. He gets Grimlock B uh, into the KO pile. Uh, I do on my say I have a turn where my t- my my team is untapped, but my opponent's team is all tapped out. So I'm going to do an all in attack. Uh, I use I still function. I use brainstorm and two I still function. So now I have three Grimlock powerful commanders attacking. Does that mean I get to use his ability three times on that attack? They each each ability will trigger. Okay, and they don't they don't nullify each other out of the like off of the the board basically since only one was there at the beginning. No, and, you know this is that they don't. Uh, okay. This is a very a very interesting thing, and I want I want I've been looking for a good opportunity to pull to pull this up. Um, Transformers is specifically designed to play pretty much as it's written, and I know that there are a lot of really weirdo scenarios like this, and and we can't account for everything when we do our our templating, which is us figuring out the the literally the words that we print on the cards to represent the the game designs that we have in our heads and in our chicken scratch on our pads mm-hmm. and in our files, but. While we can't account for anything, we try and account for as much as we, we can. And a lot of questions can be simply answered by read the cards and do exactly as they say. Not everything, but think, but 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 this is a, this is a thing where I think that applies really well. Just do what the rule the the cards say, and and the answer will present itself. And that is that is something that we strive for a lot in Transformers. And we are super happy to answer the questions. That's why we're here. Yeah, yeah. but. I think this is a rule of thumb when we when you don't have access to to us or the design team. Um, there are also scenarios that come up that are possible that seem too ludicrous to be true. I think the Wave One version was uh, the triple cargo trailers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've had like eight people message me and are like, "If I get three, does that give me plus nine? Surely it can't." And and it does. And it does. Right? Like because. Because just take the cards literally. And I, I think that there's a lot of people who come from a lot of other gaming environments. Yeah, less with, fun gaming environments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where where there's a lot of hidden stuff. Where there's, and, and one of the philosophies that we attempt to hit when, as much as possible, and it's, ne- it's never going to be 100% possible because of the nature of collectible gaming, but wherever possible is to put things on the card in basically plain language so mm-hmm. man yeah that's oh that's so cool because yeah the, um there were a whole bunch of kind of weird janky things that grimlock was starting to set off in my head and one of the things that also made me feel less guilty about it is, is as we were all theorizing this and going like oh my god what can this guy do we realized that all of this is on the back of of you the player doing this getting to sit there for in upwards of six to twelve turns just letting grimlock do whatever he wants Yep. Um, mm-hmm. so that's almost like this inherent balancer where it's like the, the broken stuff, quote unquote, he can do involve you having an opponent who is so ineffectual that you're actually able to ping Grimlock's ability, you know, six to 12 times. Yeah. Uh, if you can just pull that off 94 times and you can have 18 Volcanicus is in play well, all each with one hit point. 
Because I was already thinking, you get that Grimlock on a team where he's by himself, then you kind of use him to soft cheat a Volcanicus in with, uh, you know, 17 stars of teammates alongside him. And it's like, you could do that. Also, that means you you were able to attack with Grimlock four times in robot mode and transform everyone to bot mode in the KO pile and have an Enigma card in the deck. So it's like, if you did all that, then you deserve to have a Volcanicus right. swing in. Right. And and Insecticons didn't kill you. That mm-hmm. too. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, so if all that happens, like someone said it was almost like an alternate win condition, and I was like, that's a fun way to put it. I like that. <laughs> uh, and, and and that's why this, this exists in the form that it does, because the time that it takes is the self-regulating element here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are there are definitely cool things that you can do with New Grimlock um, that are possible in reasonable game time frames. But they don't involve mm-hmm. getting two Volcanicus in play. Well, even cargo trailer, like, you know, when people say, oh, my God, I can put I can get plus nine attacks. Like, yes. And hopefully your opponent doesn't have a disarm uh, yep. to, to mm-hmm. ruin that whole chain. <laughs> well, it's like the, um, the old proverb says in front of every full nightclub is a very lazy doorman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, having worked in the nightclub industry, that is hilariously true. Um, wait, have wait. Wh- uh, OK. That's not on my list of questions. I have to stick to the list of questions. <laughs> That's this is a, as good a time to announce it as any. Wave three is Drew Nolasco's bouncer diaries. There's no Transformers content whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as the mechanics are sound, I'm fine with it. <laughs> it's way well, no, more as, violent. As, as a bouncer, you have to plan and be brave. Okay, hold on. No, 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 no. We're getting there. Yeah. And. and- yeah, never mind. Let's, let's, let's go on to the I next a, question. I'm a parasitic bouncer. What's up, everyone? Uh, well, we got one here from Vorath, uh, which is uh, hitting another one of those elephants in the room that John uh, gets to deal with all the time, um, which is organized play. Um, so many people are asking for this, and many players don't want to give the game a look in many areas till Watsy has some sort of OP, uh, just something with a rating system and alternate art promos for gatherings would give the game a huge shot in the arm with the regulars at LGSs. Everyone likes to know where they rank even casually, which is why leaderboards are so popular in video games. It doesn't have to be a pro tour or anything, end quote. So I will say with uh, a lot more, uh, a lot more, uh, oomph than I, than we have in the past, we hear you guys. And this is, uh, we appreciate this feedback in a very deep and meaningful way. I will say that rating systems are not something that's going to happen. I am pretty, I'm pretty positive about that. Um, okay. In, in terms of like, if when I, when I hear rating systems, I interpret it as like an ELO system where you have like your, your, your you know, global play rating that goes up yeah. and down based on your wins and losses. That, that is, that is something that we are not looking looking for 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 this product um uh but we do have we do have some interesting things in the works the okay. definition of or, organized play is going to differ from from listener to listener mm-hmm. and i i'm not, now is not the right time to be a, right. a, a more specific but you, you're going to see more support the demo kit is a very very early type of that and that is part of what we consider organized play in the in one end of that spectrum providing more support to stores so that they can help build communities in a more effective way. Right. That's that's one thing um, I know with Wave 1, after it was out, going to the couple of uh, FLGSs around here that was trying to draw anything out of them that was like, if you want to come and play, you can, but until there's backside support, like there's no incentive for them versus 
you know, magic or anything else that's like, hey, here's the shiny things to throw at players because they have the attention span of goldfishes or whatever the reasoning is. So, yep. Yep. So I, I don't, I also don't want to, you know, say, oh, mm-hmm. demo kit. That's it. That's the only, like, there, we are, we are looking at the feedback from stores themselves, from players, um, from fans and commenters. But, but I, it, it's more on the table than a, in, in various forms than it was at launch. Now is a more appropriate time. And we've been we've been listening and monitoring this entire time, mm-hmm. just in case anybody thinks we were we were ignoring them. We 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 hear the feedback and it's important to us. As someone who got back into into tabletop gaming less than a year ago, as of this recording, like the the nebulous um, definition of organized play is has been one of the weirder things for me to interact with as a new player. Um, like seeing, you know, the ways it, not only the ways it's implemented, but the ways that it's also seen as an expectation and then what that means to some folks. I don't think it's something I'm necessarily going to connect with myself, um, anytime soon. Like I understand the draw of it, but, uh, yeah, like just the, the way that it can be anything from alternate art card prize kits to full on pro tour rankings. Uh, it's made it a really weird thing for me to engage with in discussion. Cause I, I just keep wanting to go like, well, what do you mean exactly? And, and our thinking at this point, that spectrum is gigantic, and that's part of the diff- it's part of the reasons why we have been more more silent on this issue mm-hmm. is because every we could say yes, there's organized play, and 100 different people would have somewhere between 50 and 100 different ideas about what that means, and some of them would be happy with that, and some of them would not be happy about that. Mm-hmm. But one yeah. thing that I think that that is our thinking right now, without revealing too much specifics, is the primary thing that we're, we're looking at is a way to help stores build communities of Transformers players in their local game stores. And that can come in a variety of forms, but that is ultimately our goal, so that the friendly local game store is a friendly local Transformers game store. And only a friendly local Transformers game store. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> yeah, we no, got we no, like, room, we, no room, no room for gelatinous cubes. <laughs> No room for gelatinous cubes in this game store. We will actually, oddly enough, one of the local stores here, um, one of the nights where a lot of us Transformers folks get together, the other people in the room are doing a D&D campaign uh, full oh, on awesome. with like iPads and everything. Uh, That's rad. And are very patient with how loud we get. And what is your friend? What is the name of your friendly local game store? Uh, that is three. Th- this one is Three Kingdoms Gaming. Uh, I just added the word gaming because everyone game store seems to have that. But uh, it's Three Kingdoms uh, over by Eglinton Station uh, in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, That's awesome. It's one of the two stores in Toronto that have uh, really got into the game. It's uh, Three Kingdoms and Harry Tarantula have both been uh, pushing and having regular nights, uh, which has been fantastic uh, for the local community here. Excellent. Um, Quick, quick shouts out also to uh, the folks who made the uh, Ontario and Toronto area Facebook groups. Like those are all helpful too. Um, yeah, you know what? Let me give let me give a, a shout out to all the folks who are doing their local their local Facebook communities and organizing because that's awesome. Yeah, um, and to each of those people, and there are I think at last count we saw something like thirty or thirty five. I of think those. it's even more now. At, it's probably you're probably correct. Um, mm. I, it looks like there's one for just about every major metro area. In- yeah, I've even seen people mm-hmm. that are like, "Hey, I'm going to be in X city for a weekend on business. Is there a local group I can play with?" Which is very cool to see. Who wants to and throw you, down and- at the airport? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so shout out to all of those local organizers because those fans are doing doing heavy lifting and we definitely appreciate it. And uh, just one more quick shout out just to top this off because I think this is important in case people don't know about this. Uh, um, so the Wreck and Rule channel on YouTube have a now a trio of videos out about how to grow and maintain a local scene for a given game. Yeah. Um, based on their experience doing so with Transformers uh, and, and I think one or two other games. Um, I, I highly recommend checking those videos out. Uh, they are definitely ones that um, have a certain perspective and a certain scope of growing a community, which is kind of confined mostly to one or two stores because that's what's realistic. Uh, but I, I think they're really valuable just to like hear some ideas and to hear the um, proven value of just showing up um, regularly. Uh, so go check those out too, if you get a chance, um, they are, they are great. And you know, I think, it, I think there's a little secret about the tabletop gaming industry that that's really important here, which is that as much as any company pushes, ultimately the drive for success comes from gamers bubbling up that interest that they have in a product to their local game stores. And then that bubbles up to the distribution and wholesale level. And then that comes back to us in terms of, in, in terms of us selling product down the pike. And, and, and while there's an enormous amount of work that we do to enable that to happen um, and push it from our direction, ultimately, the, the single building block of success for a new game is someone walking into their game store and saying, hey, do you carry Transformers TCG? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Elton John was wrong. It's less of a circle of life and more like a funnel of life. Well, speaking of a funnel of life, I have a quick question here from 1A Smith, um, which is, why does John think that a grocery store's sushi is better than a real sushi place? I don't know, John. You know <laughs> the what? real hard-hitting <laughs> questions. I like the sound of this guy. So there, there, is, there is some actual reasoning behind this. Oh. Most of it is that the kind of sushi I tend to eat is like avocado rolls. It tends to be the stuff that you can't really screw up, and that also is rarely elevated by paying more than grocery store prices. So it's like what the potato chip rule, sort of. The uh, I, you know, you I don't know this potato chip rule. Um, potato chips tend to be potato chips. If you spend an extra three bucks, maybe they taste a bit better. Oh, yeah. If you go to get the ones that are freshly made for the table, you're perhaps pushing the notion of the potato chip farther than it uh, needs to be pushed. Um, so Is this a Canadian yeah. thing? Yeah, it's uh, it's one of Chris Ho's rules of potato chips. Okay. It's in a book. You can buy it. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real short book. Yeah. Chris's rules of potato chips. You can give me money and I'll tell you all about my rules of potato chips. This one's free, <laughs> FYI. You're welcome, Aaron. Man, this is this uh, is a delicious cult. Sorry, I just is, spoiled like half of the content of your book. Right. If this is the free <laughs> rule, what are the ones we're paying for? Yeah, you'll find. Hey, stay tuned. You'll find. Out. <laughs> but no, that's that's basically it. It's okay. not a. There's not some secret. I would imagine uh, you can probably get some pretty heinous sushi from grocery stores there's also part of the point too is that grocery store sushi has come a long way over the last 10 years uh well it certainly resembles sushi more yeah exactly but it's like why i don't i don't usually go get poke that often because i'm just paying like 18 bucks for rice and avocado and egg because i I don't really i don't don't hate raw fish but i just don't, don't totally dig on it yeah i mean grocery store sushi is where you can also just get the like like it's it's like sushi mechanically, but also it's like it's just it's teriyaki beef rolled in rice. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
And you can also uh, buy the amount that you truly want uh, so that you can eat until you hate yourself and there isn't like a server or uh, a mater d looking at you the entire time. Making eye contact. Just have to look at yourself. So so it's self-shame is ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah, I'll take self-shame over public shame anytime. Have you ever done the all-you-can-eat sushi where you have the moment with the server where it's like the aggressive eye contact (laughs) shared of like, they they think that you know too well your limits, but they also want you to order too much, so you have to pay extra? Yeah, Yeah, I learned that lesson, and there was a place called Todai in Redmond, Washington that we went to in high school, and we ended up laying down on the sidewalk outside afterwards. I mean, I don't know the neighborhoods that well, but I'm hoping that's one of those sidewalks that are safe to lay down on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. All and right. it was summer, so it was it was sunny out. But yeah, we uh, learned some important lessons that afternoon that have stayed with me for a long well, time. Uh, speaking of important lessons, um, this is totally naturally going to bounce off of this. In design, do you use rarity as a way to silo off difficulty, keeping complexity on higher rarities? So we actually do, but it's not for the reason that people think, uh, or maybe it is. Uh, it's primarily for limited play, that is, sealed pack play. Um, there is some amount of complexity that we don't want overwhelming, like, say, two-pack sealed or league or, you know, sealed deck that's up that people do, like, you know, five-pack sealed deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and rarity definitely helps us moderate how frequently things show up in those environments. So the answer is yes, but it's primarily driven for that reason. Okay. Yeah, the the, the reveal of the the common reprints um for Rise of the Combiners definitely told me a lot about um like how much uh the limited play is is being considered for this game, like more so than I think I thought it was when I was uh ripping through wave 1 boosters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, it that's absolutely true. Um I, I think your your assessment is that we are yeah, we are absolutely uh, including limited play as part of our design and play testing uh, because it's really fun. And particularly two-pack sealed, in, in my view, is a fantastic way to introduce people who have game experience, tabletop game experience to Transformers and don't need a starter deck and to walk through you know the whole thing from the ground up, but they have that foundation. Right. Um, and league play is just a fantastic way for stores to run a weekly event that gets people coming back over and over again. So we pay attention to that quite a lot. Okay. All right. Um, and can I, can I answer a question that I don't know if a listener has asked, which is how do the combiner pieces, the combiner team, individual members work in, in an environment like sealed? And the answer well, is a question coming in from, from Drew N, which is actually specifically yeah. that. <laughs> You know, Drew N is reading my mind. Uh, the the answer to that question, Drew N, is they work just like regular bots. And I just want to confirm for everyone that you know when you're playing you know, any of those individual characters outside of the presence of the full team, it's just a has a bot mode, has an alt mode, and it does exactly what it says it does. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I hope Drew N's satisfied with that answer. Like that one did come. I'm doing. You can't even see me. I don't know why I'm doing. I'm doing the thing where I'm touching my ear, like in the news, where it's like it's just coming in the earpiece. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do a lot of motion acting during podcasts. No one ever sees. Uh, sometimes I'm standing on my hands. It's true. It's not true. Uh, Aaron, have you got a question out of here? You want to hit? Um, up? so I'll, I'll I'll do my last one. Actually, that was a question given to me by somebody at work. Um, that I've gotten into the game a little bit. Nice. Um, and uh, so his question was um basically about like the Metroplex card itself 
Um, he, he his uh, question was being the first to create, market, and distribute something that size. Were there any issues or speed bumps or quirks that came about from making something you know four times as, as large as anything else out there? Um, any like the, lessons learned or things of that nature that are interesting to share? So there were some, but it, it, not as many as you think. Okay. Uh, what people would think because it's it's less. It's not about making the physical object itself. It's it's card, but just bigger. In the same way that our character cards are mm-hmm. cards, but just but just bigger. Um, so all of the knowledge, and kind of hilariously, uh, we've actually done that card size before, uh, or something very very close to it uh, for the Duel Masters game, which prototypes okay. a lot of our weird weird stuff. There have been a, at least one promo card that was released for Duel Masters that that's, that is that size. Uh, except just slightly different proportions. Um, All right. You know, I've I brought up the Duel Masters folding card thing many times before, uh, like locally, before the reveal of, of Rise of the Combiners. And I just feel like, I feel like still not enough people's, like, I don't know that game very well, but all I know Duel Masters for right now is that seems to be the place, like, look at whatever weird cards they did and and just recall that they're from the same company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh the or don't game. don't look at it at all ever. <laughs> True. And be amazingly surprised every time. Yes. I don't even the know Japanese... what a, I don't even know what a dual master is, huh? What? Uh, the Japanese trading card game market is very different from the American market and uh, European or or uh uh Southeast Asian market. Um it is uh it has different expectations from their consumers. And one of those expectations is novelty. Mm-hmm. Um, so Duel Masters does pioneer a lot of really interesting things for our game because it, it needs to to be as the, the decade-plus success that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, I, which I, I've recently been told down the grapevine I should never look at um, because then I, I, that, that way... Uh, other folks get to get to show me things and, and and i'll not go like oh from duel masters uh i heard that <laughs> i heard that on the grapevine uh yeah whoever told you that sounds really smart yeah uh they have some opinions on sushi as well but i don't think that's on topic to this yeah. podcast so i gotta i don't know why so somebody what, to ask a question like that in the first place so let's go back to your uh to your your co-workers question which is it yes. was metroplex difficult or what, what what might be surprising to to, to about our process of coming to that and I think one of the processes that um, one of the things that was a little bit uh, more challenging than uh, we expected is that you, the size is was challenging for some people when it came to storing and protecting their card. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we, we all know intrinsically and very deeply that. People care about the quality of, of their cards over time, and they want to preserve them as as they're they're cool objects. They have they have meaning and value, and um. But I think the the, the difficulty in finding some store some protective solutions for Metroplex was a little bit more difficult than we expected based on our research, and um, we're going to take that into account in the future. Okay, yeah, because like specifically for me, uh, over the weekend. I had one of my 12-hour gaming marathon things raising money for Riley Hospital for Children, and I had that coworker who actually ended up not being able to make it, and another one that wanted me, yeah, bring your Transformer stuff, we'll play that, when it's like two people when we're waiting for other people to show up. And like so I have one of the, the Quiver 
carrying case things, and Metroplex definitely doesn't fit in that. So to take the Metroplex deck, I printed out a eight and a half by eleven sheet that was Metroplex, that was a image, and then folded that in quarters and was able to easily store that in the box. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's definitely going to be a thing for travel. Like, do I want to bring the whole binder or try and pare something down? Oh well, if I can't proxy, that means I can't Metroplex. I I have yeah. a I have a way you could you could bring Metroplex. I suggested this on Twitter and I stand by it. I'm not going to put backpack straps on it, okay? No, no. <laughs> you just need to be the monster. You need to be the one who says, oh, let me just get Metroplex out. And you take him out of your pocket, and you start unfolding him. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh, I feel ill. <laughs> well, we want to we evoke the, the feeling of, like, the, the 80s pool room movie, like The Color of Money, where the guy puts the, <laughs> the case on the table and opens it up and slowly screws his custom pool cue together. <laughs> I mean, yeah, my Metroplex lives in a special top loader um, that is just sitting in the backpack with everything else uh, yeah. if I'm bringing the game with me. Um, and then I, I basically if I do bring them out, uh, especially if there's people who haven't seen the card yet, uh, I just I, I take pleasure in doing the foomph of slamming them down on the table and then watching their deck uh, get blown into their lap. <laughs> uh, I usually get away with that once. Um and then, you know, if I do it again, they just suddenly the game becomes a lot more serious because they're just punching me in the face. But uh, <laughs> Suddenly it's not so much of a game anymore. <laughs> the the F comes out of the LGS at that point. Am I right? Um, <laughs> we actually have a, a I just realized there's two questions on here that kind of form a two part question. Uh, that's that's pretty straightforward. So I'm going to grab Ezim 93 and Harry 543's questions. Good numbers, too, by the way. Um and together they're asking, for how much longer will you be printing Wave 1 cards until phasing it out? And it might be too early to ask this, but are we going to follow a block format? Kind of like uh, what you might see in stuff like Magic. So that first question is not really something that we answer as a company. Mm. Um, I, I The way I will answer is say, Wave 1 is going to be available okay. for some time. Um, and there is definitely going to be Wave 1 product available um, even when Wave 2 has been released. So um, I don't think that this is something that, that players need to worry about if their their concern is, I still need to finish my collection or, or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, some way, in a lot of places, and I think we've started to see this, as stores and, and, and entities that sell our products are prepping for the changeover, some of them are going to reduce the amount of Wave 1 product that they sell, but there, there will still be product available if people, you know, need it um as to the second question which was sorry can you repeat the two-parter oh uh, yeah second half is uh is asking block is, and you know saying it might be too early but yeah is there is there potentially going to be a block format uh for transformers so I, it is too early for us to to make that decision i can tell you that we don't have a preformed notion in our head regarding this mm. um there are pros and cons each way and really it's um it's it's how the consumers, the players, the the people who buy and 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 you know how they evolve community and play, and we need to see the direction of that before we make determinations that are are like block format. So I will say it's certainly not off the table, but it's not something that we're specifically driving to either. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and I, yeah, that's I, not us. That's not a satisfying answer, but but really what I'm saying is something that I think we've been saying over, over and over again with Transformers is we are super interested in 
looking at what the community does, looking at what the response to our products and our, our, our promotions and our offerings are, and adjusting over time. And if it appears to us that block format is the best way to make our, our gamers happy and satisfied with ongoing play, that's what we'll do. If it leans mm. towards another direction, then that other direction will dominate our thinking. Yeah, I, I had a feeling that like the, the, the real answer is just going to be like, is this something that you guys actually secretly already have ready to go or not because the game's so young? Uh, and I, it's, it's not, and I don't approach game watch that way. Yeah. I mean, I could certainly see some theoretical game system that is built around the concept of block play and rotation from the outset. Uh, Transformers is not one of those systems, uh, mm-hmm. but it is, was designed to be able to accommodate it if it needs. Okay. And, uh, yeah, as for, as for the availability of wave one, I, I didn't really think it was going to be a problem because I, I got into magic with Dominaria and every single standard, um, set at the time, which go, went back to Kaladesh, were still really readily available at every single store I went to. Uh, and some of those were a couple of years old. So I, 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 I wasn't really thinking myself that like wave one was going to get a shelf pull basically like the moment wave two came out. Um, no, that'll hap- that'll that'll certainly happen in some stores that have, uh, and that's just normal business practice. Mm-hmm. But particularly at, at local game stores, the availability of Wave One will be be you know good. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. and it kind of also returns back to you know kind of one of the overriding points uh, about the game and and like when we were talking about finding a community. If you go into your local game store and they don't have the game, you can always ask. Um, there's a good chance if they don't have it for one reason or another, they can order it. Right. Um, yeah. You know, because it's it goes through distributors and everything else. So, you know, don't be shy, uh, or or try not to be. Sometimes that's hard, but uh, mm. chances are you'll be able to find somebody who has it or can order it. All right. Um, well, let's pop over to. Uh, we got a handful of questions left here in our special list um, in our special Google Doc. Uh, and, uh, one of them is actually something that, that I was curious about. This comes from JJ tops, uh, which is, uh, would you guys consider doing more powerful versions of combiner team characters, uh, not for use with the combiner mechanic, but more general use in regular teams, uh, like an eight to 10 star version of onslaught, for instance, from the combaticons. So first I want to point out that JJ tops is the early predecessor band to ZZ tops. They went through several iterations <laughs> yeah. until they got to their final form. I was um, going to say JJ tops sounds like a BMX champion, <laughs> but um, <laughs> these are not mutually exclusive. <laughs> so That's a good point. I, I think that what we would need, what we do here is we take the, a look at the appearances of these characters in transformers, toys and the other sources of inspir- transformers, inspiration from the larger brand universe. If there are characters who have had significant standalone appearances outside of their membership in a combiner team, particularly if they had a standalone toy, that is a a reasonably likely option. If a character is only present in as and, and it's, it's his that character his or her essential nature is as a combiner team member, then it's less likely. So right. it's it's not off the table, but it's really about how does that character fit into the larger Transformers IP, and in in the same way that we would not want to take a, any of the other subgroups of Transformers and just willy nilly you know create rando versions of them. We are Transformers, and we do get to do cool and interesting and sometimes new things. But 
the philosophy of honoring the present, the, the the reality and the nature of a character is what drives us in in how we make our card versions of characters. Mm-hmm. And and for for some of these characters, that answer is no. They they're they're a combiner team member. And for others, yeah, it's totally possible. And now a peek behind the curtain. I, I need to ask a question of you. When is this going live? Um. Whenever, really. <laughs> you put it live if there's a certain timing that works better for you. That was a peek behind the curtain. So, for example, Optimus Maximus is made up of a number of characters who have a nature that is primarily their individual and sep- non-combiner presence in Transformers, like Optimus Prime, for example, mm-hmm. um, or Hot Rod. But in Wave 2, their presence is as part of the Optimus Maximus combiner, who incidentally is primarily a Scramble City trans-style uh, combiner. But in this case, we've taken the sort of canonical uh, configuration mm-hmm. and used that as uh, the, the, the team configuration and limb placement for this. So, like, you know, Hot Rod is... Yeah, he's a he's a combiner character here. He will absolutely at some point in the future have another version of Hot Rod where he is not a combiner and may actually have his trailer. But in this case, he's just the the the, the car and he forms part of part of uh, Optimus Maximus. You're gonna break so many hearts if what? you're gonna break so many hearts if he shows up with that doesn't show up with his trailer <laughs> at some point. As, as a as a as a car truck even as a car truck yes. Uh, well, let me just say, man, I remember when when that Optimus Maximus reveal happened, and boy, was that a day! Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> sure was. Yeah, January thirty first, two thousand nineteen, was a heck of a day. It was in, yeah. it was incredible. Um, uh, we had just recorded a podcast with some guys from a company called Wizards of the Coast the day before. Uh, turns out, and uh, whew, very interesting day. Um, <laughs> well, the, the that, I, I remember them. Remember, yeah, they went on to buy Apple. Yeah, such a long time ago. One of them created microwavable sushi, which, you know, you don't think it would make sense, but uh, it it, it worked. It still comes out cold. That's the part I don't understand. Um, This actually goes right uh, into Dinobot Grimlock's question uh, in a few ways, which is how do you go about capturing a character as a card in the game? Like, who do you think you have? Uh, nailed spot on in the game. Uh, I guess, like, kind of bouncing off of this to specify it, like, when you look at a character and you want to include them, um, or vice versa, like, like what, what what do you look at in the character to then translate into the numbers and mechanics? So, the, there's a lot of different things that we can do, and uh, kind of hilariously, definitely one thing that we look at is their tech spec from the original printing of the character. Because <laughs> uh, uh, conveniently, it has stats written on it. <laughs> Of course, we have to use the little red plastic thing to actually figure out what the stats are. You know, not a lot of people do that. So, you know, all of us being surprised at Cosmos' 21 health, if you just paid attention to the tech spec, (sighs) honestly. Yes. Cosmos needs to be able – I'll answer for Cosmos. (coughs) Excuse me. Cosmos needs to be able to survive for that to actually shuffle your deck at least once (laughs) for his ability to have, have a chance. Um. Cosmos's health is not 
as canonically aligned as we would like, but it, it's necessary for gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Mirage really, I think, nails it for me. And um, uh, that one, I think, is really successful. I love that his white, his, his, uh, the, the white pip triple ability allows him to un, you know, do his thing. That felt very, like, very uh, cool core to his nature. Um, uh, Optimus Prime Battlefield Legend, I think, is uh, fantastic in in the way of capturing, um, you know, what, what, like think about when we've seen Prime and when we think about Prime fighting. Prime does a lot of really astonishing things in combat and is frequently depicted engaging multiple powerful Decepticons simultaneously, and and I think that Prime's ability to really just do bursts of exciting things, but not all the time, because there's a little bit of randomness involved there, really gets down to what makes that legendary and what makes him a legendary uh, warrior on the battlefield. Because you don't remember, the stories aren't told of the time where, you know, Prime went up against rando Decepticon soldiers and beat them. The the legendary part comes from Prime went up, you know, it was my Prime, and he managed to do, you know, 18 points of damage in one turn, because I flipped this, and I played that, and it brainstormed, and then I did three other things, and then suddenly he had a grade launcher on him, and he just, you know, KO'd somebody on the first term, and that's the story that you remember, and that that really, to me, lines up with some of his more impressive fights um, in all Mm -hmm. forms of Transformers. So, um, those I think are cool success stories. Uh, I uh, going back to how do we figure this out? Um, we do a lot of it ourselves, and we do a lot of it with Hasbro. Uh, we are directly um, linked into the Transformers creative and IP team, um, and I think I've mentioned that we we are in previous podcasts. But that's one of the things Matt Smith, who you may remember from a recent article um, and card reveal. Um, it, it takes lead on that, and he has regular conversations with uh, uh, the folks back on the creative team, and so we mm. we make sure that we are aligned there. I think we really nailed Nova Star because it's a car and a truck. I agree with you. I think we absolutely nailed it. Car and truck. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do you uh, know? Do you know why Optimus is so good and hard to beat? Why he's only divisible by himself. Oh God. John's oh, been man. on a dad. John's been on a dad <sighs> joke. Remember John? Recently. I remember John. Yeah. <laughs> remember John and his sushi? That was so fun. Yeah, that's a good time. John, <laughs> um, what do you guys think are, are most successful? And I'm curious to to for the viewers out, the listeners out there, what what characters you think we have really nailed the essence. And and I, I, I want to say, and and please think about it in like versions or iterations of the character, not like the entirety of the character through all representations and forms, all 13 toys. Um, because we don't look for that. We look for a very specific, narrow interpretation of each character so we can do it over and over. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, you, you're just actually making me, uh, reminded me, I wanted to, I wanted to quickly throw out a, a shout out that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pleased with that leap of faith action card. Uh, because mm-hmm. it gets a fills in the missing star in my shadow play deck, but B, I'm yep. really looking forward to the, um, the rare Optimus stories that involve that and brainstorms uh, oh, all yeah. happening. 
And that's why he's the art on that card. Yeah. Uh, he was designed with that in mind. Um, <laughs> and also, a couple of people have noted that you have to kind of run a different, can't run twin primes and just stick this card in there. And that's pretty intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yeah, this 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 is a separate topic we won't get into here. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how a lot of those decks um, react and realign once Wave 2 is available and they cause at least two game plans to have to change uh, a little bit or at least become less linear. Um, yeah. I'm looking at uh, you, it, bold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Acid Storm does a bunch of interesting things. Um, Inverted does... a. Um, you know, a bunch of interesting things for a number of decks. And mm. uh, it's very possible that I may have a new, slightly more mysterious tank deck in the future. Um, when you, when you see me in public. <laughs> but, um, okay. When you do that, are you going to then reveal the original tank list? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. I, I, I will, I will absolutely show, show you what I've been playing. Okay. Cause I, I think that, the, I think at least the, the major Facebook group, uh, will, will literally die on the spot if it's just, no, I have a new tank deck now. Oh no! You're never going to find out what the first one was. Yeah, but you guys are still both NDA'd, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So we can't say anything. Don't ask us. <laughs> um, yeah, it's I'm looking the forward to crime. I'm looking forward to the inverted play as well. Uh, that seems like the thing that's going to. That's the thing that you kind of stare at for a second, and then it's, there's going to be the story where someone's like, "Yeah, I used inverted and just one-shotted Metroplex." You're like, "How?" Well. You know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, well, first I did this and this and this and this, and then I flipped nine cards and they were all blue and I happened to have inverted. And then, yeah. and then I just punched my opponent in the face and told them that it was actually turn number six. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how you can, uh, win games when concussions are on the line. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a whole other set of questions we're saving for, uh, for 2020, you know, spoilers, everyone. Um, <laughs> we have, uh, we have one more question in our top list here from, uh, from Caliburst. It's actually a two-parter. Um, the first part is, uh, uh, Caliburst is curious about the design choice of the green pip and why it has notches on each side as it almost looks like an anvil. It is for colorblind players so that they can distinguish one pip from another without, um, uh, without having to rely on printed color on paper. I'm really happy to see that. Uh, also, just the um, that you know that 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 more visible texture behind the existing pips as well. Yep. Um, well, all, all of the pips have a different, slightly different texture and notch cutout, and that's true. I think of all all of them. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that is that is specifically for for the utility of colorblind players. Excellent. My brother, who is color deficient, appreciates that in game design. Oh, great. Yep. It's, right. it's really important. It's a very easy thing to do, and it provided that you think about it at the beginning, and I, it, it's, it's important for us. All right. Okay, what's, what's part two? Part two relates directly to you, Drew. Um, okay. I am ready. Uh, quote. I just remembered, since it's 2019, you can now ask Drew about the story regarding the six-gun character art, uh which comes from our Metroplex podcast uh, about 32 minutes in. He even provided a time code where we talked about six guns art and you had said something about ask me in 2019. Oh, okay. Um, Don't look at me. I wasn't there for that. So the answer is we had just finished the six gun art when we found out that there was a six gun toy coming out separate from (laughs) Uh, Metroplex. And we're like, Really? Like, the timing was literally off by, like, days. <laughs> and, like, 
I mean, I don't think I don't think it would have changed much because that six gun is based on the on on one of the earlier existing toy versions mm-hmm. of six gun. But like, yes. really, you're bringing back six gun as a standalone character because we had not anticipated that. You know, we we kind of have a look into the future of of Transformers in because we're Hasbro and we work on this stuff. But that was not one thing that we had anticipated would be coming up. Yeah, you did, but you I gotta say, think you needed to go ask that question first. You're like, yeah, six gun is nothing to gotta worry about. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> uh. I mean, and that six that six gun toy is amazing. I'm so happy about the VTOL alt mode. Like just anything, yes. anything to give six gun some autonomy. Um, it makes me pleased. Uh, I, I I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, yeah. that actually that actually gets through most of our our initial selects. There were you know a bunch of other questions we didn't get to right away. Get, do you guys have any time for a few more? I do. I do have time, um, but I do want to say one more thing about Six Gun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I love that pose of him on the ramparts of of uh, Metroplex and City Mode. I think it's a great, a wonderful piece of art. Oh yeah. Uh, the six gun art is 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 super solid. Granted, I have biases because I I like his robot mode design. Um, I do too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm I'm into that stuff. Uh, actually, this is this is sort of bouncing off Metroplex because there were there were a couple of questions from uh, Reggie Gangster uh, that that I was personally interested in. Um, the first one uh, being related to Metroplex, I'll reword it a bit, um, just given like what we knew then and what we know now. But um, since Metroplex, like quote-unquote does have a mobile mode and a city mode was there ever a consideration to make him one of the three-sided cards yes there absolutely was i uh going back to the earlier question about was there anything that was difficult about making uh such a large size card mm-hmm. and there were actually some concerns from from the ver- various members on the team about making a a three-sided metroplex sized card um so we absolutely did. Like it, it, it was. It did not escape our attention that they're that the Titan-sized toys have three modes, and you can trans transfer. Uh, they can be a base. They can be some sort of mobile thing, mm-hmm. um, and then they can be whatever their bot mode is. Uh, but we elected to use the two best known forms here. And this okay. is not just something that's restricted to Metroplex because lots of Transformers toys have some either secret uh, alt mode, uh, additional mode, um, or have accessories that can be added to the, the the toy to provide a different take, particularly on vehicle mode. Like lots of G1 character uh, toys, for example, came with, and, and it's particularly true of uh, uh, Combiner team members, came with kibble that you could add in and it would form like. This is car, Stunticon, Stunticon car plus gun turret, effectively, right? Like, yeah. like Dead End has has that. It doesn't even, isn't even the one who came. I think Dead End was the one who came with uh, Menasaur's gun. I can't. Oh yeah, remember. Doomed Loner. Right, and he, he has my favorite sub name. Right, like is that a third mode? Kinda is, but I think that the, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the three sided card ability specifically for. Um, defined multi-mode um and i know metroplex falls into a weird zone there but it it is not something that we're just going to do every single time a character might have something that might be a third mode okay i think it's i think it's even it's it's good to know that that was that was part of the process on him oh Um, yeah it was a long discussion guys 
Yeah. I, I, I would, also, I would love to see a giant unfolding card, um, but I, I'm also one of the people proponenting, you know, releasing the, the play mat that is Unicron. So I, I got my biases, obviously. Uh, uh, the other question from Regigangster, I, 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 this is one that I've been curious about, and, I, and I'm not sure if you guys are in a position to talk about it, um, but has there ever been any consideration to putting TCG cards packed in with Transformers toys? Uh, that is something that we really can't talk about mm. until it happens or doesn't. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I mean, I guess I can answer the question in this part. Yes, we've absolutely thought about that. That would be lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Look, man, I just shook the completionism bug. Okay. We don't, we don't need this coming back. <laughs> That's right. It'll, it'll just be alternate art, you know, that, that you'd need to own to have a complete set. Um, yeah. And if you don't, you don't have a complete set, but it'd just be alternate art. Yeah, it's uh, not a bug. It's a feature. Yeah. <laughs> um, Aaron, were there any questions out of out of uh, the bin that you wanted to throw in there? Uh, those were kind of on the theme that I was looking at before. Um, I know that there were a couple people that had asked um, about the on. It, it's, there was like an app presence at one point in time that was mentioned. Um, has that progressed any, or has that gotten uh, put on a back burner? Nope. More news very soon. Okay. Yeah, it was weird that that wasn't part of that Optimus Maximus reveal that we all remembered happening. Mm-hmm. But, no, uh, no, it's still in the future of this podcast. Yes. <laughs> in some ways, this podcast is like time travel. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm because trying... our because our future when we're recording is our past. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to. I'm yeah. just trying to remember where I exist currently on the timeline. Um, no, I I just remember uh, Drew. You did show me some some thing on your phone uh, at Gen Con that you said was still super early. Yeah, um, that was a super early build of a of a companion app. Yeah, I think mean, again, it was not was, if that had progressed rapidly, or if uh, programmers were no. being programmers and putting it off until next week. Oh my god, the deadline's tomorrow! Hey, are, are you a programmer? No, but I know a few. <laughs> okay, as long as you've had first hand experience. I once made a table tennis game in JavaScript in first year computer science. How was it? It, it was awful. I wasn't very good at computer uh, science, but you know, if you do oh. need someone to make a table tennis game that's serviceable, I might remember how to do that. Um, we need to keep that in mind. Do you have a card? Table tennis card game? TTCG? Hey, <laughs> don't spoil the big summer reveal. Uh, I have a real, I have a real uh, my kind of pedantic question here. Why does Pre- I love it? Why does Predaking have ten star, ten star, five star when Metroplex has five times five star? Uh, we advanced our uh, thinking on how we want stars to show up, and it's all about making it more what we think is a little bit more easier to discern how many stars. Um, also, mm. we're never going to be completely uniform in all cases because of the amount of space in various areas where stars go, and that changes from frame design to frame design, and Metroplex clearly has a different frame design than um, the bottom left-hand side of uh, combiners. This is where our call had a small connection issue, but we fixed it, and the call continued. Is packet loss going to be a mechanic uh, in, in Wave 3 or 4? <laughs> uh, if you're talking about lack of communication between players, no, that's the exact opposite of what we want to happen. We want players to be absolutely in sync with what their, their opponent is doing at any point in the game. Okay. Um, but that's not saying that that tactic won't work. It's just it won't be the focus. Uh, yeah, I, don't know if I, I don't think we can officially support any type of packet loss during a, a trading card game. 
Okay. Uh, Plus, then you know, we we sell this game in the UK, and if there's a packet loss, it's probably crisps, and it's a bad time. Oh man, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, like little spoiler from my own book. Uh, crisps are not part of it. I know a lot of the fans have been asking. Um, but it, it's just about <laughs> good old fashioned North American potato chips. Okay, you guys got to leave me alone about that. Um, Let the man write his entire second book on crisps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoilers for the suburb. I, uh, Do you have no okay. sense of economics? <laughs> that we should, I did not synchronize uh, that release with the Optimus Maximus news. That was still to come. Uh, uh, and the, the third book in your series is going to be called Smash Up Stirrup and Stew. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> then it'll be the potato trilogy. His right leg isn't a transformer, it's just steamed haddock. <laughs> is that a wave five spoiler? We're working on getting the toy made right now, but the, the slime is a factor. <laughs> you know, you'd mentioned with Duel Masters um um uh TCG uh collecting and play in Japan. Uh, we did have a question from Badlander eighty six, which was while it's unlikely, will the game ever see print in Japan? I asked this because Japan has a tendency to generate quite a bit of exclusive product and a lot of the characters you guys mentioned, like Lyo Kaiser, Star Saber, Road Caesar, and Road Kaiser, would likely be better received by a Japanese audience. Uh it is not something that you will see in the the near 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 or midterm future. Okay. I'll just put a uh, format text strike through on that one. That's a little behind the scenes spoilers for everyone else who's listening to this. It's uh, <laughs> uh, just having a comb through here to see if there were any other questions. Oh, this is this is another another kind of a weird one. Um, a bit of a classic one, but I, I've actually done a promotion like this with some older game fifteen years ago. I forgot which one. This comes from Wild Will, um, maybe better known as Wild Bill. Any chance there will be a rapper redemption promotion? I've been saving all my booster pack rappers, and I want to know if I can just trash them or if I should continue to save them. So. Uh, I'm going to do a three-part answer. One, the um, G.I. Joe helicopter, uh, of which Wild Bill was the pilot, Mm -hmm. was my favorite G.I. Joe toy as a child um, and survived for a long, long time as my winnowing collection of childhood toys uh, dwindled until I dropped it and snapped the main rotor blade on the metal part that connected to the, the, the the hinge push engine and man i would love oh that was a sad uh. day um so wild will nice username uh secondly um no there is there is not going to be a rapper redemption program um i appreciate that you have been saving up in the case and i understand that the uh perhaps bot points from way way back in the day uh perhaps were inspiration from that but that that is not something that's going to happen and the third part of my okay. answer is Please check your local community's recycling guidelines because in some localities, booster packs um, uh, can be recycled, provided that your local uh, community can recycle that type of uh, packaging. All right. And in all localities, that type of packaging is a very effective insulator and can be used to make a cape slash blanket. And um, I guess since it's all just getting spoiled, if you do want to know the subject of my 2020 series of books... um, well, there's your hint. Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, we actually had a question from the list that I'd highlighted because we kind of we went to something else and we didn't come back to it. So this would be, a, I guess, a nice way to close the book on this. Um, okay. We had, we had one more question here. I think this is under the That Guy list. Um, Transformers is different from MTG, Magic the Gathering, in that it already has a very strong accompanying fiction. Oftentimes the universe is created for whatever product uh, in Transformers is coming out. Uh, was there ever a point in the game's development where a discussion on establishing a fiction specifically for the TCG was happening? Um, 
We did have some light discussion on that, but that we we rapidly decided that that was not the best way to present Transformers in in this game. Mm. Uh, and the reason for the reason for that is because we want to we for Transformers, unlike Magic, where we are the originators of the IP. Mm-hmm. Here, there are a bunch of experts who are did you know passionate creative professionals like John Warden and Matt Clark and person they do back at the Hasbro Transformers team who in their respective disciplines are writing toy design um, are, are the ones who are best at driving what Transformers is from a creative IP and narrative point of view. And then that fell in, that led into another important decision, which is um, telling narrative in a non-linear experience is extremely challenging both to create successfully and also to be received successfully as a game or a consumer. And by that I mean we could we could make a card game that has narrative built into it, but the idea of creating narrative where you don't know we don't know what pack what cards are, are going to be in the pack that you open, right? And so you could experience the ending card first. That's very challenging, and especially for Transformers, which has some you know, really wild and crazy narratives. I mean, most most science fiction and fantasy does. Um, we decided that we would rather show poignant moments or vignettes. Um, and, and you might see a little bit more of this in, in wave three, actually, um, where, um, uh, eh, we'll let that for the future, but, uh, <laughs> but no. So we did have that discussion, that guy, um, we did think, consider it. We, we rapidly came to the conclusion that that was not what was going to be the strength of this game. Uh, and the strength of this game was to show, was to give players and fans elements that could be recombined in the form of decks um, and people can create their own, own narrative and, and fandom that way but that the official narrative and fandom should still be led by the people who are best at it which is the hasbro creative okay well um yeah that, that about i think does it for our list of questions i want to acknowledge um just in case someone you know is chomping at the bit um some of the questions we didn't want to like just straight up ask you guys because we're pretty you know we there are questions that are just known unanswerable those include will a certain character be in a certain wave how many waves will there be in a given year um this very specifically because uh, i've seen it covered on the facebook group already it's still a stay tuned thing the nature of um upcoming and existing convention exclusive cards um reprints what might be coming in the future uh we got questions about that stuff and uh we just I want to acknowledge at the end here rather than the beginning that uh, that stuff has already kind of fallen under a, a hard thing to get people over at Wizards to actually just like answer because it's it falls under the same sort of things that they have mentioned during this podcast. There are some things that are just not revealable at this time. You just wanted to make them listen to the entire episode before finding out that you weren't going to answer their question. Exactly. You got to get them hooked. And I'm not going to answer those questions, but I will. I, I do want to speak directly to the fo- the fans who a- who submit and ask those questions. I love that you ask those questions. The fact that you have come that you you come up with questions that I can't answer because the business success of of this product of this product line means that we need to reveal things at certain times or reveal certain information or characters or all that kind of stuff. The fact that you answer, mm. ask those questions means that you're passionate and you're showing your passion to us. So. I, I love hearing them, even if I can't answer them. And I kind of apologize that I can't answer them because I want to tell you. I really want to tell you. Yeah, um, yeah that's why John, I, I want to acknowledge that just so that like it doesn't feel like we're we're shoving all that under the table. Um, 
but uh, yeah, also I want to acknowledge it at the end, so they had to listen through. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna pull a, a classic, what we call the Drunalosco here at the end. Um, I'm gonna flip a classic. The, I'm gonna flip the table here for a second. Do either of you guys have questions for us as players or for the player base who might uh, be listening to this and, and having a comment section to to leave answers in? Yeah. So there was there was one definite question that I I, I kind of hinted at that I would love to hear, which is. Um, the question to us was, which characters do we think were most successfully implemented from what we call top-down design? That is, the character first and the mechanics flowing out of that. And I'd love to hear what characters you Transformers fans think were most successful from your point of view. Where did we do really hit it for you? And say, so you look at the character card, or, or battle card, um, those are cool too, this here, but, and say, wow, they really nailed it, that works. Um, so that we can always improve how we make these character cards and battle cards in future products. I'd love to hear that. And why is it Novastar? <laughs> well, I have a dissertation right here about Novastar. I mean, it'll only take about um, uh, 75 minutes to read through. Uh, I've practiced. Um, uh, you know what? Actually, I do have... Let's talk about Novastar for a, que- a, a question for fans. So I know that there has been a lot of contentious discussion about the value of cards that we call vanilla, that is, that don't have text abilities on them but just ha- are, have stats right uh and by stats we also mean traits so like nova star is a car truck with some pretty beefy numerical stats for her for her uh, uh star value and I, i'd love to hear um particularly for the folks who are not fans of any vanillas existing is there ever a, a just a pure game quality threshold for you that would make you say oh yeah that's fine or is there a particular character? Like, let's say, let's say we did Roller, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, Roller is non-sentient, has no personality. Well, actually, that's not necessarily true. He's depending little, on where we are. Scamp. R- R- Roller yeah. is Roller is 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 not a full-fledged, you know, bot character. If he were a vanilla, or it were a vanilla, I guess more accurately, how would you feel about that? Um, you know, for some some characters, de- deploy anonymous autonomous you know sub units how do you feel about them being vanilla i'm really interested about where the line is mm. for cat for players because vanillas in gaming in general do provide an important benefit particularly for new players is that they let new players experience the core mechanics of the game without the complexity burden of text so they do play an important role but on the other hand, I recognize that they are very samey, samey looking for in a lot of cases, and that experienced players don't find them as valuable in many cases, but not all. So I'd love feedback about that. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give a, I'm going to throw a quick um, uh, response to that, um, just for for the sake of a friend of mine. Uh, and this doesn't really need to be answered, but I just want to get it, get the sound bite in here. Um, bombshell. Uh, is is someone that I, I a friend of mine would love to see a bombshell happen with some um some text on there relating to um mind control relating to you know planting uh little bombshell drones on people or whatever um because bombshell is is one of the most solid uh textless cards uh in our personal gaming experiences but mm-hmm. it also is is often left him going like but i also want a bombshell who feels like the one that's that's you know controlling people from afar and uh you know puppeteering um folks into into like grand schemes as a bombshell might do so um, heard and so understood the, so there you go eric i did it <laughs> 
I will never do anything for you again. No. (laughs) Update from the future. Look, a week later, there's a new bombshell. Look at the work I did for you, Eric. I hope you're happy. Thank you guys for coming by and and, uh, participating uh, in a a bit of Q&A. I also want to always acknowledge, like, yes, we, we took all of almost all of our questions over on TFW. That's just where we're based out of. It's the easiest thing for us to keep track of. Um, right. Obviously, uh, you guys have now set up a system where folks can email you uh, and uh, mm-hmm. submit questions to be answered in your, it sounds like, uh, end of week uh, Q&A roundups. Yeah, so the, the way we actually are doing it so far is that the, the design team and I get together on Thursdays and... I just go through all the questions we've collected that week with them. John, that that Friday posting is mostly rules related, correct? Mostly is, but feel free to send questions about anything else. We got we got a few questions about other things, but it was the types of questions we can't really answer. Um, however, whatever your question is, I will endeavor to get an answer to it. Um, I may not be able to, depending on what it is, but um, we found that especially when we would post things like the card FAQ. Um, the comment section would just turn into the, an ad hoc uh, chat about rules. And it was just, it was so unwieldy um, and really ineffective for mm-hmm. what we want to do, which is give people the answers that they're looking yeah. for um, or answer their questions rather. And then uh, make those answers accessible to other people that may have the same question. Mm-hmm. And, and getting that centralized, I think will be a, a nice boon as well, uh, because I know that through the, the spoiler season for this uh wave anytime that there was like new rules thing or new color pip or a star and a card invariably half of the discussions would turn into what well how can you have stars and a card it's like well if you go back to the original thing it says that oh well i didn't yep. take the time and so being and able also... to to point at a ever evolving thing of like hey if you got a question ask it there or they'll answer it and you know. Yeah, and, and our goal is, you know, and, and of course it'll probably be impacted by holidays and things like that, is to just post it every Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be like that week's answers. Um, and yeah, we want to make it as as simple as possible for, for people to find answers to the questions they're looking for. Because um, we know sometimes it can be hard to wade through all that stuff. Some people, you know, can feel, you know, shy or awkward about asking, which is, is not something we want. Uh, we want it to be welcoming and, and easily navigable, uh, which the the previous you know solutions would be too generous a term to to proffer onto them uh, were absolutely not. Yeah, and I, and those those questions that we've gotten in during the the previous season, um, as as you might expect, uh, on or around March first, when Rise of the Combiners releases a new rules and uh, FAQ document, will go up. Yep, and that will be one consolidated place, so that will you know the all of the major questions uh, can be found, answers can be found in one one place, organized as they are with the first one by card. Excellent. That thing that thing's been super helpful as as I've run into more you know fringe cases. If you are remote and you need to find the the FAQ and rules document quickly, I know it's posted in a lot of places, but one place that you can always find it is tcg.com/rules. Um, mm-hmm. And at the bottom of that page, and that that URL works in all of the regions that we sell transformers. And the the current FAQ and rules document is always at the bottom of that page. Yeah, and if you do have a question, again, the the email address you can contact is transformersquestions at wizards dot com. All right, 
I will prepare one more dissertation on Action Master Elite Omega Supreme. <laughs> and uh, yes, this this one's going to be the one, everyone. Don't we're going to do it, Omega just, Supreme crew. Just set up a rule in Outlook to email this email address. Send this email every twenty four okay. hours. You don't want to overdo it. Okay, I have a serious question, and I don't think I've asked you or to to offer this up to the fans but i do have a question about action masters i real serious no we're they're not on the docket anytime soon but hey it's a thing that we may eventually get to um mm-hmm. action masters don't transform hey fans and listeners uh if if we wanted to absolutely uh replicate that in its strictest form they would be single-sided character cards how do you feel about that uh, yeah, we I, already have a single-sided card man i know and it but works the, but yeah, but that's I, and we know it works from a mechanical point of right, view. Right. But the difference here is, hey, that's a one-off guy with character for a very specific reason. Let's say we had a, a you know a set size with steam was action masters and the bulk of the the cards were action masters and were only single sided. How would you feel about that? There if, would be more stuff like other mechanics and cool things. But yeah, if the star counts uh, were relevant to that, I think it would it would be really interesting for team building. Uh, and also what I'll say to, to, in response to that is if you guys need to know who the super rares of that set would be, there were four action master elites who could transform and yes, four is were. a pretty cool number. One of them is very, one of them's very important too. His name's Omega Supreme. I don't know if I've talked about him on here before. Um, <laughs> ultimately this was all a way for you to bring up Omega Supreme in a viable, potentially viable way. Well, that's yeah. a long con. Like I, I don't need the big one. I don't need the Omega Supreme everyone talks about. Like I just need the little one, you know, the, the better one with the turquoise head and the pink. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll write that email. Don't worry, it'll be, it'll be fine. It. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thank you guys for uh, for coming by and for thanks um, for having us. You know, weathering the storm of our uh, questionarium. Hey, this was super fun. I really, really, really was happy happy to be here and and be able to answer all these questions from folks. And I'm always happy to have another place to say. Rise of the Combiners, March 1st, 2019. Oh, is that a card game that's coming out? The new one. Yeah. Ask your friendly local game store. All right, I guess I will. Man, a Transformers card game. Yeah. That would be interesting. (laughs) All right, well, thanks for coming by. And uh, to all you listeners, uh, drop some comments. Uh, Let us know if you uh, maybe want to see another one of these uh, a couple months from now, sometime in the future. uh, or you know responses to uh, to Drew's questions for you guys and uh, either way we will talk to you again we'll have some more WTFTFWWTF TCG content uh, that word coming uh, you know down the pipe when we can figure it out uh, and until then uh, keep slinging that cardboard bye everybody see ya. It means, but you got some badass perpetrators now here to stay.